At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer brother you love, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the BC Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment, we're going to be talking to Peter Apple. He does a great job over there at Just Baseball of being able to take a look at, well, everything that we're going to be getting on Sunday in terms of baseball. We're going to be taking a look at a few of these efficient races as well, but most of it going to be revolving around Sunday games. We're also going to get his thoughts on some of these jockey money lines and why to not wind up laying some of these money lines that they get up north of minus $250, minus $3. So we're going to be talking about that in the second segment, by the way. This is his first time joining the podcast. I certainly hope it's not the last because I rated the conversation and it is tremendous. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JNet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Only thing I got asked is if I wind up tracking things like overs and unders when it comes to extra inning games. And personally, I do not, but I know that covers do. And this is sort of the information I do want to take a look at as we did wind up seeing quite a few extra inning games on Saturday. And if you take a look at covers right now, 121 extra inning games have landed under 117 overs. So even though you might wind up seeing social media blow up because you wind up seeing a game go to extras and it winds up going over the total, which it's always 
always brutal, and you're always going to have some of those games. We've actually seen more unders than overs in extra inning games, so actually keep that in mind. And as a matter of fact, 51.7% of games have wound up going under the total this season. 50.84% of games have gone to extras have one under. So it's not necessarily the biggest split that you'd expect. So figured I would pass that note along and let's take a look at back at everything that we did wind up getting in baseball on Saturday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. For the ninth time in the last 10 games, the New York Yankees score three runs or fewer. They lose the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of five to two. Another lackluster start for Garrett Cole, giving up four runs over the course of six innings. From there, Ron Metanacchio and Scott Efres both lend a scoreless inning as Albert Abreu. He allows a run in an end going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. Matt Chapman, who's been doing a very solid job for them, 24th home run season. And Mitch White, not a lot of length. He was in danger in quite a bit of this one. He gave up seven hits in four innings, but just one run. From there, Adam Simber, David Phelps, Anthony Bass, Yimi Garcia, I'll deliver a scoreless inning, and then Zach Pop, he gives up a run in his inning, a solo home run to Glaber Torres, 18th home run season, but Yankees just one of eight with men in scoring position, and they've got the second worst record in the big leagues ever since the start of the month of August, and as a matter of fact, a bottom five record in the MLB ever since the All-Star break, as it's a Yankees team that all of a sudden, I believe that they have went 6-16 and in their last 22 games. It has been relatively brutal. The Mets and the Phillies wind up splitting a pair as the Mets take game one against Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler by a count of 8-2. They go 6-14 with men in scoring position as Wheeler gives up four runs over the course of five and a third innings. From there, Connor Brogdon, five outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. You did have a position player, Derek Hall, wind up getting the final out of the ninth inning. Nick Nelson, he gave up four runs in that ninth inning. That was an issue. Bright end. he winds up delivering a scoreless inning, but not a lot doing for the Phillies as it was a solid open slash start from Trevor Williams. Four scoreless innings. From there, Seth Lugo, Julie Rodriguez, they combined for three innings with Lugo giving up a run along the way at a Montevino. A scoreless inning in Sam Clay. He gives up a run in an inning and unfortunately, David Peterson cannot come through for the Petersons. 4-1. to one. The final in this one, Peterson. He gives up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. We Peterson still love him though. Steven Nagosich, one and two-thirds innings scoreless and you did have Michael Gibbons give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. It was a run surrender by Rob and I'm going to say this last name incorrectly. Zastrinsky as you want to making his Mets debut in this one and for the Mets. 0-3 with men in scoring position. Not a lot doing as Bailey Falter. Well, he really didn't falter too much. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. David Robertson, a two-inning save going scoreless in those two innings. And Jose Alvarado, he was able to deliver a scoreless inning as well. The Chicago Cubs and Milwaukee Brewers played 11 and the Brewers... They blew three leads over the course of pretty much three innings. Six of five, the Cubs wind up getting the job done. Devin Williams, who had allowed just one earned run over his last 30 appearances, he gives up a run in the ninth that winds up forcing extras. And then from there, you wind up having Peter Strzelski in the 11th inning give up two runs, one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning to take the loss. Taylor Rogers an unearned run in the 10th inning as he wound up getting four outs out of the bullpen. You did have Matt Bush and Brad Suter be able to both give you a scoreless setting and not a bad start here from Freddie Peralta as he winds up surrendering just two runs over the course of six innings. He did wind up giving up a home run along the way to Wilson Contreras his 20th home run season and for Marcus Stroman good start out of him. Two runs given up in seven and two-thirds innings before Rowan Wick. He gives up a yard ball as going deep for the Brewers. You wind up having William Adams get his 24th home run season. From there the bullpen did their job. Eric Yeoman and Steven Brault, 
They give up unearned runs in the 10th and 11th innings, giving up a run apiece. Michael Rucker, he winds up giving you a scoreless inning as well. And for the Brewers, two straight losses to the Cubs. Not what the doctor ordered there. The Chicago White Sox says this game will end up having a little bit of a rain delay, and now they have to play in the Peacock game that starts at 9.05 a.m. Pacific time. They get it done by a count of 2-0. Both of these teams' bats were relatively sleepy, as you wound up having Johnny Cueto deliver 8 and 2 thirds innings scorelessly in Mendricks. He gets the final out to be able to lend a save. And for the Cleveland Guardians, not a bad start here from Shane Bieber. Six and a third innings, giving up two runs, one of which was earned. James Karinczak, pair of outside the bullpen, and Enya De Los Santos and Eli Borgen. They both offer a scoreless inning, but for the Cleveland Guardians, they come up snake eyes on offense. They only had two at-bats with a runner in scoring position going 0 of 2 in those, so Guardians unable to get it done. My DK Nation pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates, where I went wrong on this one. Trusting in the Pirates to do anything good, I apologize. I will try to do better today. 10-1, to the Cincinnati Reds wind up being able to get the job done as Tyler Beatty. Not a good start in this one, giving up four runs over the course of four innings. And Justin Dunn entered into this game with more than 80 ERA. He gives up four walks, three hits over the course of five innings. But the Pirates, they wind up stranding 10 men on base. And for the Reds, they are up for five runs in the ninth inning as you wound up having a home run by Jake Fraley. Be a big difference maker in this one. Sixth home run of the campaign for the Pirates. They wound up posting up a pair of errors as after BD, you did wind up having Chase Young and Yuan Ramirez. Both line two scoreless innings, but Eric Stout. Anything but Stout. Five runs given up on one out, and then Dwayne Underwood Jr. has to clean it up for the final two outs as for the Cincinnati Reds. Bullpen was able to do their part behind Justin Dunn, who gave up one run over the course of five innings. Ian Gabo, Hunter Strickland, Art Warren, Buck Farmer all lend a scoreless inning. The Texas Rangers go on the road, and they take down the Minnesota Twins by kind of 4-3 to three as Glenn Otto, one unearned run given up in five and two-thirds innings. He's got an ERA that's worth of two and a half points lower on the road rather than at home. We start by a Corey Seager fielding error, and then from there, Jonathan Hernandez. He gives up one run over the course of the ninth and tenth inning. Was hurt by his own fielding error. Matt Moore, he did wind up allowing a run in an inning, but Brock Burke, a scoreless inning. Brett Martin, he winds up getting it out of the bullpen as for the Minnesota Twins. Relatively solid start here from Chris Archer. He winds up punching out five, gives up one run over the course of five innings. Devin Smeltzer, who's now resurfaced as a long guy, gives up one run over the course of three innings. Ode Lopez, a scoreless inning, but then killed Theobar and Griffin Jackson in the 10th inning, combined to give up two runs, one of which was earned as the Twins. They go one of 10 with men in scoring position. The Kansas City Royals, they couldn't get a lot of offense generated as the race. They get the job done by kind of five to two after being just on the doorstep of history. Drew Rasmussen followed that up with a good start. Two runs surrendered over the course of five and two thirds eggs. Brooks Raley, four outside the bullpen, scoreless, and then Jason Adam, Pete Fairbanks going into the eighth and ninth inning, scoreless for the Tampa Bay Rays. They did a solid job of being able to get to Chris with the K. Bubich. He is done after three and two thirds innings, giving up four runs along the way. The bullpen wasn't too bad. Carlos Hernandez gives up a run over the course of two innings. Jose Cuas, a scoreless inning, and Colin Snyder was able to go one and a third inning, scoreless, but damage had been done out there on the West Coast. If you want up having the over in this game, thoughts and prayers to you. The LA Dodgers got up by a count of 7 0 in the bottom of the third innings uh, against the Miami Marlins. The game winds up landing 7-0 as you wind up having a bunch of craziness. It was supposed to be Braxton Garrett getting the start for the Miami Marlins. It said Brian Hoying winds up having to make the last second start because Garrett landed on the injured list just before this game. And Hoying gave up all seven runs over the course of three innings thanks to a pair of homers. Justin Turner down for what ninth home run season. Will Smith is 18th as from there the LA Dodgers couldn't do anything on offense as 
Tommy Nance still over two scoreless settings. Cole Sulzer, Tanner Scott, and Andrew Nardi all wind up giving you a scoreless setting for Miami. Three runs or fewer now in 18 out of their last 19 games. This offense has been a poop stain as Dustin May, his first start of the season. May day, nine punch outs and five scoreless settings. Caleb Ferguson, Chris Martin, both Lundy scoreless setting, and Phil Pickford was able to give you two scoreless out of the bullpen. So the Dodgers, they get it done. The Padres, they win the game, but they don't cover the run line. Two to one. They take down the Washington Nationals. Both pieces acquired from the Washington Nationals go deep as Josh Bell gets his 15th home run season off of Josiah Gray, and then Steve Ciszek gives one up to Juan Soto, 23rd home run season. Lone two runs surrendered by the Washington Nationals as Gray gives up that solo home run over the course of five innings. Ciszek, he gives up that home run in his inning of work. Jake McGee, Tyler Clippard, they both give you a scoreless inning in for the Nationals. Only thing they could get on offense, Elaine Thomas home run. Second inning. He winds up getting his 12th home run season off of Joe Musgrove, who was pretty solid in this one, giving up that home run over the course of six innings. Adrian Motajon, two scoreless innings, and then Luis Garcia was able to land a scoreless inning as well. The Arizona Diamondbacks wound up having a ninth inning to forget. They were down one going into that ninth inning against the St. Louis Cardinals, and then the Cardinals put up an eighth spot. 16-7 the final as for St. Louis Albert Pools has found the fountain of youth, hitting right around a 400 since the All-Star break. He gets home runs number 12 and 13 of the season, both off of Madison Bumgarner. Chase D. Young and Paul Goldschmidt would then go deep off of Edwin Uceta for Goldschmidt, 31st home run season. D. Young, his sixth as neither starter wound up having a good effort to go to Hudson. Gives up four runs over the course of four and a third innings. And then for Matt Bum, he gave up those two home runs. Five runs in total over the course of five and a third innings. From there, Noe Ramirez gives up two runs, one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Chris Savinsky, he gives up a run in an inning. Edwin Yuseta and Mark Melanson combined to give up the eight runs in the ninth inning. While Yuseta, he wanted giving up those two homers. Joe Mantiply, a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. And Chris Savinsky gives up a run in an inning and for Arizona. He did have Jake McCarthy go deep off of Jordan Hicks for his fourth home run season for Hicks. He gives up three runs and he didn't get a single out. Andre Pallanti lends two scoreless innings. Genesis Cabrera pair routes out of the bullpen. And Giovanni Gagos and Jojo Romero both were able to give a scoreless inning for a Cardinals team. And starting to surge up the NL Central standings, especially with the Brewers sliding. The Seattle Mariners have been relatively solid, but they took a step back on Saturday, losing to the Oakland A's by a count of 4-3. Logan Gilbert, not his A-plus stuff, giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five innings. From there, Matthew Fessa, Eric Swanson, Paul Seawald, Andres Munoz, all landed scoreless inning, but Diego Castillo in the 10th inning gives up an unearned run as he walked a pair that wound up being an issue. And for the Seattle Mariners, just one of seven with men in scoring position as this was a very solid showing from the A's bullpen. Danny Jimenez, two scoreless innings on the bullpen. Zach Jackson does wind up giving up a run in an inning, but A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, two scoreless innings out of both of those guys, one apiece, and James Caprillion gives up two runs over the course of five innings to be able to hold down the fort. So the A's, despite leaving dead men on base, and despite scoring just four runs, they wind up being able to get it done if you wind up having the under in this one. Boy, this is one of those extra inning games I was talking about earlier that they get blown up on social media, and rightfully so. This was a bad beat. 5-4. to four. The Atlanta Braves wind up being able to get the job done as this game was 1-1 to one going into extra innings, and then the game goes over on the 7-half. Jeremy Pena 
lone run of the game for the Houston Astros prior to extra 16th of the season. In terms of home runs, he winds up going deep off of Spencer Strider. He gives up just that home run over the course of six innings. From there, Kirby Yates, a scoreless inning. Rossi Iglesias, A.J. Minter, they combine for two scoreless innings, but then Dylan Lee gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th inning. Jackson Stevens, an unearned run in the 11th inning for the Atlanta Braves. You wind up having this team go 4 of 10 with men in scoring position. Vaughn Grisham, third home run since getting called up about a week and a half ago. He winds up going deep off of Christian Avier, and that's the only run that Avier would give up. Eight punch outs, one solo run allowed over the course of six innings. Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley, I'll give you a scoreless inning from there, but then Hector Neres, two runs, one of which was earned, given up in the 10th inning. Ryan Stanek, two runs, one of which was earned, did not record an out in the 11th. That was an issue. You know what else was an issue? You know what else was an issue? Taking a shot on the LA Angels if he did. Four to three, the final, the Detroit Tigers. Wind up being able to get it done as Reed Detmers. He had been very good coming into his start. His last six starts, three runs or fewer surrendered. Gives up four runs in four and a third innings, including ten hits to a Tigers team that, frankly, they really can't hit. From there, I made Badia two and two-thirds innings, scoreless and Aaron Loop. It's scoreless saying no home run for the Detroit Tigers, but they do wind up going four of 11 with men in scoring position. And Tyler Alexander, not necessarily his A-plus stuff, gives up three runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Andrew Velasquez, his sixth home run of the season. You did wind up having Mike Trout go 0 of 4 in this game, by the way, but bullpen for the Tigers. Been in the top six all year long in terms of ERA. Gregory Soto, Joey Jimenez, Alex Lang. They all are able to deliver a scoreless inning. The Boston Red Sox deliver a win by a count of 4-3 over the Baltimore Orioles. As for Boston, Michael Walker has been the best starter for the team all season long. Five and two-thirds inning scoreless. John Schreiber gives up two runs, one of which was earned in one and a third innings. Garrett Woodlock knocks himself out for Sunday, but gives up just one run in two innings to be able to hold down the fort as you did wind up having a home run from Kike Hernandez, his first in a very long time. Fifth home run season. That comes off of Kyle Bradish, who's been the most inconsistent starter for the Orioles this season, giving up three runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Joey Kreeble, he winds up giving four outs out of the bullpen without a long run, and then Brian Baker. Two innings, giving up a one run for the Orioles. As now they wind up traveling to Williamsport for the Sunday night baseball game, the Little League World Series sort of game. And then you did wind up seeing this game go to extras. The Colorado Rockies, they wind up taking down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 4-3. to three. As for the Giants, they wind up going just one of six with men in scoring position. Joey Bart does wind up going yard off of Ryan Feltner for his 10th home run season. And Dillon Lamette gives one up to Brandon Crawford. 7th home run season for Lamette. Gives up just the one run over the course of an inning. And Feltner, I mean, he gives up that home run, but still a really good start. Gives up a home run over the course of six innings. Carlos Aceves, Lucas Gilbreth both lent a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. And Daniel Bart gave up a run in the ninth inning to blow the save. But the Colorado Rockies, they wound up having his back as he did wind up having Brendan Rodgers be able to get a game-winning single as that one winds coming off of Camilio Duvall. He wound up giving up that unearned run in the 10th inning in one and a third innings. Alex Cobb, he winds up giving up 10 hits in six and two-thirds innings, but limited the damage to three runs to Erling Garcia and out of the bullpen and John Brebbia. A scoreless inning, but the Giants back to 59-61 and 61 and the Colorado Rockies, as they're known to do, have some very big home and road splits as for the Colorado Rockies this far this season. They are 35-30 and 30 at home. On the road, they have won 18 times, and they have lost 39 times. So, that's not great, but if you're taking a look at the season to date in general Major League Baseball, we've seen 879 unders to 822 overs, so 
51.7% of games are going under the total and favorites. They're hitting at right around 59.8%, but favorites of north of $3. If you've taken the money line in every one of those circumstances, you're down over $1,300. If you bet $100 on every one of them, favorites $1,071 and $720 overall. And for home favorites, $680 and $449. So they're hitting a little bit over 60% straight up. But in terms of the run line, we have seen these home favorites fail to cover the run line in now 208 instances. If you take a look at the last three days, in Major League Baseball. We've seen the unders do a relatively solid job. 199 unders to 189 overs, so 51.3% to the under and in this time span. Favorites, they're hitting out a little bit over 60%, 249 and 164 with home favorites. Really reigning supreme, 154 and 88. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday, and that's what we're seeing overall. Coming up next, we are going to be joined by Peter Apple of Just Baseball. Does an absolutely amazing job there. And for those that like TikTok, does a great job with those videos. We're going to be taking a look at Sunday's games with him next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rivalry Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rivalry every rematch Every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast and Great to be joined by our guests as Peter Appel doing a great job over there at Just Baseball, doing a great job taking a look at baseball from just a player props perspective, a betting perspective, does an amazing job taking a look at this game from a wide variety of lenses. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at Peter Appel23. And if you're looking for Just Baseball, that is at Just BB Media altogether. And Peter, it is great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Greg. I'm excited. Let's go. I am excited as well. And Peter, we have been seeing some very interesting things ever since the trade deadline and the all-star break teams that we didn't expect to be able to step up. They have teams that we expected to just continue on their winning ways, like the New York Yankees. They are entering into Sunday, having scored three runs or fewer in nine out of last 10 games. What has really been a surprise to you? Because I take a look at what's happening with the Yankees, and I thought at some point there was going to be a little bit of a losing streak, but I didn't think it was going to be because the offense wound up scoring three runs or fewer in nine out of ten games. Yeah, that's another surprising part about it, is that the offense just hasn't shown up, and it's not just Aaron Judge who's not shown up, who's hitting below the Mendoza line in the past week or so, but... The addition of Andrew Benintendi, since he came over, he hasn't been the answer. You look at a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who's supposed to be the guy at the front who starts all this offense. He hasn't been good. You look at Glaber Torres, you look at Josh Donaldson, we could go down the line. And then you look at the pitching rotation. You know, Garrett Cole has not been the $300-plus pitcher. Jameson Tyon has been fine. Nestor Cortez Jr. really has been the best one in the rotation. And how about another addition, Frankie Montas? Since he came over from the Oakland A's, he has not looked like he was in Oakland. And then a guy like Clay Holmes, who was an all-star, their closer, he is now on the IL with a back injury, supposed back injury. Nothing is going according to the plan when they started 50 and 17. Yep, and I honestly feel like it was a downgrade getting Frankie Montas because in games not pitched in Oakland this season, he's got north of a 6 ERA. Meanwhile, we've seen what Jordan Montgomery has been able to do with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think at this point, that's a steal of the trade deadline now. The Brewers dumping Josh Hader, that's all of a sudden looking better and better by the day as well. But, I mean, the biggest thing that wound up happening at the trade deadline now that we're able to take a look back at over the last few weeks 
I really think it's the Cardinals picking up Jordan Montgomery, and that could be key both for the St. Louis Cardinals winning the NL Central, and I think that they are going to be able to win that division, and also sort of the divides that we're seeing with the Yankees right now. I got to say, Greg, I thought it was a win-win at the time because you look at a guy, and if we're talking about Yankees struggling, how about Aaron Hicks, who seems to get booed out of the stadium on a consistent basis? We haven't seen the replacement form who came over in that Jordan Montgomery trade. That is Harrison Bader, a much better defender than Aaron Hicks, an above league average hitter, or at least a league average hitter. He will be a big plus, and he's going to come back in September, and he's going to be a big boost to the lineup, especially defensively. You move Judge back over to right field where he is the better defender there. I think it's very easy to say now that Jordan Montgomery trade is a, is a bust for the Yankees, considering what Frankie Montas has given us right now and looking at what Jordan Montgomery has given the Cardinals, I do think that it's a bit early. When the Yankees made the trade, I think they assumed that Jordan Montgomery would not be pitching in the playoffs for them, and Harrison Bader would be a big cog. When we look at the ALE standings right now, even though the Yankees have just been dreadful, they still are seven games up. We expect them to be in the playoffs with the rotation of Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez Jr., Luis Severino when he comes back healthy, and hopefully Frankie Montas can improve on a disappointing start and to your point about the eras in oakland versus out of oakland that's definitely true let's see if he can right the wrongs i just don't want to judge him this quickly through three starts against some really good offenses that he's faced yep it is certainly a case in which i do think that when it comes to jordan montgomery it's been a little bit favorable for him i do think that if you take a look at the track record of montas always has been some struggles away from oakland though so that is going to be a little bit of an issue moving forward and you did mention one of the guys that is going to be critical for the yankees as peter appel he is joining me right here on the podcast does a great job over there at just baseball and that'd be nestor cortez and Right now, we're finding him as right around a minus 120 favorite against the Blue Jays, who tried out their Alec Manoa with a total of 7.5. And under the radar, Alec Manoa has been able to have his struggles as well. It's been so interesting taking a look at the Yankees because I mentioned their struggles on offense with a total of 7.5. I'm not sure about you, but I look at this spot. The Blue Jays have been consistent with their offense. I think that this could be a sneaky spot for and over. I do think that this could be the time in which the Yankees bust out for three or more runs. And I do think that the Blue Jays, they're still going to be able to get to Cortez as well. I think you're totally spot on there. What I do know is that Alec Manoa historically has done really well against the Yankees, but the more often you face a pitcher, the better you should do. It's similar to what we just saw in the Aaron Nola game against the Phillies where he had a really rough start, but he's seen them so many times this year, so the familiarity is just there for that team. Same thing with Alec Manoa to the Yankees. I do see them at least putting up somewhat of a fight, but it's hard for me to then put my money on an over when all I see is ineptitude from this Yankees offense. And then you look at a guy like Nestor Cortez Jr., I would actually prefer to probably play the Blue Jays at least in this spot just because the Yankees have to prove that they can consistently hit. They scored seven runs in that game against the Rays, but that was really due to the walk-off grand slam. The offense just hasn't been there. It's tough for me to go on an over, even though your betting mind would go to the over, and I probably wouldn't play the under. I just have a hard time playing the total, and the Yankees have to prove they can win before I'm going to put any money on them, so I would lean towards the Blue Jays. Yep, I cannot blame you there, and let me tell you about one under that I am going to be coming nowhere near on Sunday. That's this Padres versus Nationals game. The turkey tosser himself, Patrick Corbin, (laughs) is going to be on the mound, and you know what? Chaminade has not had the world's greatest year either, and right now we're seeing a total of eight and a half. 
I just don't know how you wind up taking an under in this spot with the way that Patrick Corbin has given up four plus runs in literally every one of his stars since the All-Star break. Sean Manea, I do think that he's going to improve a little bit, but his velocity has been all over the place this season. He's got north of a five ERA despite his home ballpark being San Diego. And you got to figure at some point the Padres offense is going to be able to mesh a little bit more. This is the ultimate get right spot. If they can't get right against Patrick Corbin, I don't know if there's a lot of hope that could be had for the San Diego Padres. Not sure about you. And especially with this minus 275 line that we're seeing on the Padres, but the one thing I really like here is the over. I agree. This is an absolute no-touch game for me because we have no idea what Sean Manaya is going to give us against the Nationals. We have to remember these are big league hitters, and they can hit on Sean Manaya. But then on the other side, you would expect the Padres to get right against Patrick Corbin. But the Padres, similar to the Yankees, there's no way I'm laying Padres' run line. There's no way I'm laying anything close to a Padres' money line. I think the only thing that you can touch in this game Because, Greg, I don't know about you, but that line seems suspiciously low for a Sean Maniah who's been struggling. Padres' offense has been struggling. And then you combine the fact that Patrick Corbin has just been dreadful. That line seems suspiciously low. So if I'm going to bet anything, it would be on the Nationals for that value. But this is not a game I'm touching with a 10-foot pole. Yep, and I do think that in these sort of circumstances as well, where we see the Padres right around like a minus 270, minus 275 favorite, it comes down to one or two things. If you like the Padres, you probably want to take them on the run line, something like Sean Mania to be able to get a win, something like that where you reduce the juice, or you wind up taking some sort of a Nationals plus a run and a half at plus money, or you wind up taking the plus price. Because when it comes to betting these big favorites of north of minus 250, if you bet $100 on every one of them, you're down well over $1,500 this year. And that's the one thing that I just absolutely have to advise is not laying these big money lines. I certainly understand not wanting to touch these games. I understand taking a look at some of these underdogs. But the one thing that I just don't advise is taking these big giant money lines because there's just so many ways to be able to reduce the juice. Because even if you do wind up finding a little bit of value with regards to Padres being able to win outright, there's so many ways to be able to maximize that value rather than taking a look at just this big chalky money line. Oh, Greg, I couldn't agree more. I saw a stat earlier this week that um, when we were looking at Padres and Nationals and that the Nationals won the first game of the series at when you Darvish was on the mound, the Padres had about a net minus 400 money line. I think as minus 350 or above favorites, we're actually four and five outright of winning that game. So if you ever see a minus 350 and above favorite, the underdog wins five out of every nine times, or at least that's what we've seen so far this year. I mean, that's just absurdity. To your point, you should never lay that kind of money. And also, I think we have to, while Patrick Corbin has obviously been not very good, a guy like Sean Manaya, does he deserve a minus 300 money line against any opponent? With the way he's performed in his 4.83 ERA, his 1.33 whip in 123 innings, he has a major walk problem. He's only allowed one less home run than a Patrick Corbin. While the Padres have been struggling, while you never really want to put your money on Patrick Corbin, I will certainly not be putting my money on Sean Manaya, who hasn't really been that much better than Patrick Corbin this season. Yeah, Sean Manaya has been a big disappointment. Really, both of the Oakland A's stars that want to get traded, Bontas and Manaya, they both have certainly had 
their issues this year as well as Peter Appel does a great job over there at Just Baseball is joining me on the podcast and another game that I think is going to be very intriguing out west that'd be this Marlins versus Dodgers game because Ryan Pepio he gets a start for the Dodgers has had his command issues but a young guy that has been able to get quite a few strikeouts and it's Sandy Day for the Miami Marlins Sandy Alcantara total of seven and a half and what I really like here is the under on that seven and a half just because the Marlins they don't get past three runs they scored three runs or fewer in 18 out of their last 19 starts. Sandy Alcantara has been about as consistent as it gets with regards to an MLB pitcher. And because he goes so long, you're able to take a lot of the bullpen out of the fold for the Miami Marlins as well because he's went seven plus innings in all but two of his last 17 starts. I'm not sure how you wind up taking a look at this game, but this is a spot in which even though the total is relatively low and the Dodgers, obviously their offense is magnificent. I like the under just because of the ineptitude of the Miami Marlins offense themselves. See, Greg, you definitely know your baseball, but if I could be honest with you, I would lean towards the over. And the only reason being is this line is so suspicious. Why are they giving us seven and a half when they know that the Marlins can't score off anybody and Sandy Alcantara has been the best pitcher in baseball this year? Seven and a half. If they get this line, in my opinion, should be closer to six and a half or seven. Because you would expect with a very high money line with the Dodgers at minus 190 that Ryan Pepio would pitch really, really well. So where are the runs going to come in? It does seem like the Dodgers will have control over this game, get a few off Sandy. But when you look at a pitcher like Ryan Pepio, I don't know if he's deserved that that we're just going to think that he's going to pitch really well. The line may tell us that. But a 4-2-6 ERA this year, he has really nasty stuff, but he's dealt with a very bad walk problem. So there's an opportunity that the Marlins don't really have to hit the ball that much, that they can just work their way on base. I think the money line being this high in a Sandy Alcantara start almost means that both offenses might have pretty solid days here. And I would expect this line to be closer to Dodgers minus 140 or minus 135 at home with a rookie against the best pitcher in baseball. I know the Marlins can't score, but they are major league hitters at the end of the day. I would lean over here due to the suspicious aspect of this line, combined with the Dodgers being such heavy favorites. This is the weirdest line I've seen on the slate on Sunday. And we have seen a couple of strange Dodgers lines as well. I just go back to what we wound up seeing a few days ago in that Brewers versus Dodgers series where Corbin Burns opened the underdog against Andrew Heaney. Now, Andrew Heaney for the season was posting up good numbers, but it was a very small sample size. Road with the Brewers wound up getting there on that front, but certainly it has been interesting to be able to gauge the Dodgers all season long, a team that in all but 10 of their wins, by the way, they've been able to win by multiple runs. So I've always been keeping that in mind. And Peter, just taking a look at the slate for Sunday. We've got a lot of intriguing action. We've got one or two games that are off the board. We don't know what the Mets are going to be doing after their double dip in terms of a starter. I'm hearing Jose Bito might wind up getting a start there, but as of right now, we don't know what we're going to be getting on that front. But is there anything that's standing out for you, whether it be from a betting perspective or just a team that you want to see a little bit more from in terms of perhaps being able to take a look at them in the futures market, something like that? Anything really standing out for Sunday? For Sunday, I'm really eyeing this Red Sox-Orioles game because I find it interesting that Nick Pavetta and the Red Sox opened as favorites against the Orioles when the Orioles have just been the much better team overall this series and of late. I find it interesting, again, that the Red Sox are favorites on the road. I think that Nick Pavetta 
could end up turning in a good start against Baltimore on Sunday night baseball. But I also haven't really been a believer of this Red Sox offense all year. But when you look at how Pavetta has performed against the Orioles, at least so far this year, he's allowed about four earned runs in over 10 innings. I could see him turning in a nice start and the Red Sox winning in a low-scoring game. So that's that's one of the bets I was looking at. And to be quite honest with you, I think that 7.5 line for Marlins versus Dodgers is so suspicious that the over might be the play here when I assume a lot of people will be on the under. That could be me overthinking it, and I'm not locking that one in yet. I'm certainly looking closer at the Red Sox-Orioles game, but I'm just scared of that line. It just seems weird to me. So I might be looking at an over in that game while a lot of people come in on the under. I could look like you know some sort of an idiot when that game ends two to one and the Dodgers win, but posting a seven and a half as an opener tells me that runs will be scored in this one. So those are the two that I'm really looking at. And if you want a future bet, at least if we're talking about the playoff race, I think the Braves have a very good shot of making the World Series and winning the National League at plus 600. I bet that about four days ago. I'm not sure exactly where the line is currently, but we have to remember that the Braves were one game out of the World Series and lost to the Dodgers two years ago. They won the World Series last year, and this team is so uber-talented that they are right there with the Mets, right there with the Dodgers, but the odds don't reflect that. I think there's a lot of value on the Braves getting out of the National League to make it to the World Series. To your point, with regards to the DraftKings line on the Braves to be able to win the National League, currently finding that at a plus 450. They're currently the number three team. And why the Padres are still number four in terms of odds to be able to win the National League over teams like the St. Louis Cardinals, I shrug my shoulders and I say I don't know on that front. But with that said, we have certainly seen that move a little bit. And one little note about that Red Sox versus Orioles game, that's actually going to be the game that's in Williamsport. That's going to be the Little League World Series game. So I think that that actually has a lot more of a dynamic in that one as well because you got to figure that those two teams are going to want to put on for the little guys and you do wind up dealing with a little bit of a different ballpark out there as well so that's certainly one that I'm diving into a little bit more as well and Peter I know you're doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball you do a great job day in and day out posting up things on really all platforms I'm more of a Twitter guy personally I know that you've been able to form a really good TikTok following as well so love to get people at home know how they're able to get all of your work and follow along on social media and other platforms yes absolutely so the best way to find all of my work is on my Twitter at Peter Apple 23 spelled A-P-P-E-L Peter Apple 23 like that and then I also have my TikTok at Just Baseball Fans my website JustBaseball.com and um, you can find my daily best bets written on article for absolutely for free on justbaseball.com, as well as our Instagram at just baseball show. And you can listen because I have two different podcasts. I have the just baseball show, which is where I'm just talking overall the game of baseball, evaluating players, all that great stuff, along with my podcast called Not Gambling Advice, which is daily MLB best bets. Kind of similar to you, Greg, but you dive way deeper into it. Love listening to your show. But I have one on the side. It's about 10 to 15 minutes. My favorite picks of the day broken down from that article. Um, But definitely the way to find me is on my Twitter at Peter Apple, A-P-P-E-L 23. And Peter doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game that we love baseball day in and day out. Taking a look at things, whether it be just sides and totals, taking a look a little bit more at a deep dive on some of these player props as well. 
an absolutely amazing follow and someone that does a great job with regards to his TikTok videos as well. Great to be able to get Peter on the show today. A big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show and coming up next. It is that time of the podcast. They can be picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rival every rematch Every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. I mean, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson family of podcasts. Absolutely tremendous time today having on a little bit of a first-time guest in Peter Appel. He does absolutely terrific work taking a look at the game of baseball. A gentleman that day in and day out does a great job taking a look at individual, more props, and then sides and totals as well at Just BB Media on Twitter, which is short for Just Baseball. And he is an absolutely terrific follow on Twitter at Peter Appel 23 So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation, or this is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games those are going to be at the bottom that'll keep things all nice neat clean and easy so without further ado let's dive in 901 902 on the betting board it is the cincinnati reds yes we are on the cincinnati and they're under the road facing off against the pittsburgh pirates zach thompson is going to be going for the buckos and mike minor is going to be going for the cincinnati reds the reds are finding themselves as a slight underdog anywhere between even money and plus 105 anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 is your price on pittsburgh eight and a half is the total under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120 the over is anywhere between even and minus 110 and when it comes to cincinnati reds i had to set them as a sizable underdog with the way that mike minor has been pitching i needed at least a plus 146 to take a shot on them now zach thompson certainly has seen some pretty bad regression over the last few weeks but he had no point this year has been quite as bad as mike minor who's Currently got a 631 ERA, 1-10 record with 18 home runs surrendered over the course of 67 innings across 13 starts. His walks per nine rate is hovering in the neighborhood of four. He's given up at least three runs and now all but one out of his last six starts. Things have just went straight down the toilet bowl for this gentleman. He should not be on an MOB mound right now. Meanwhile, for Zach Thompson, certainly his last few starts, shall we say, they have not necessarily been too terrific as he's given up three-plus runs in three out of his last five starts, five-plus in two of those. If you take a look overall, that's a 9.62 ERA across his last six starts. So things have certainly went sour for him as well. But he is facing off against the Cincinnati Reds team that Take a look at the lineup. It is looking significantly more different than it did prior to the trade deadline as they had to get rid of Brandon Drury along Tommy Pham. They are no longer with Taylor Naquin. So as a result, Mike Boussakis is sitting right around the middle. line of 200. He, TJ Friedel, Jose Barrero. You're able to throw in there all their catchers like Austin Romine and company. These guys can get 222 or lower. They're getting that bad. So Jonathan India is back in the fold. Since coming off the injured list towards the summertime, he's actually had north of 350 on base. And Donovan Solano has been able to throw in her butt. For the Pirates, he's still have out there Brian Reynolds. He's been able to do a terrific job for the team. 1865, 20-plus home runs. 
thus far this season. Michael Chavis has a double-digit amount of bombs. Is he Ben Gamble in between about a 240 to a 250? And then Kevin Newman has been able to move the line. No home runs for him, but he's been able to do 280 now. Do have a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold, like your Gregory Allens, O'Neill Cruz, Tyler Heineman, Bly Madres, all these guys. They're in a 215 or lower, but the Pirates do have a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen. Ever since the All-Star break, the Pirates have a league average bullpen. Chase Young, along with Will Crower, a gentleman that are able to give you multiple innings. They both have a sub-3-3 ERA. Colin Holderman has a sub-2 ERA as well now. When you wind up getting into guys like Manny Benuelos, the company, not as he's so terrific, but Cincinnati currently dead last in terms of bullpen ERA as you really don't have anyone other than Alexis Diaz that you're able to bank on as Joe Cuno, Ian Gibbo, Luis Sessa, Hunter Strickland, Revier and Martin, all with north of 5 ERA. I do think that runs are going to be up plenty in this spot, and I do think that it's going to be another very, very rough outing for Mike Miner. How you wind up having a 1-10 record, I have absolutely no idea. I think that the Reds have won just one of its starts all season long, so Dubai saying my toilet at 8.7. I'm looking over and willing to lay up to a minus 146 with Pittsburgh. 903-904 on the betting board. The New York Mets at the red face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Kyle Gibson is going to be going for the Phils. It is good old to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Mets. I'm hearing through the grapevine because he is on the taxi squad that we could wind up seeing the Major League debut of Jose Buto. And if it is Mr. Buto is going for the Mets, I am going to be setting the Philadelphia Phillies as a minus-138 favorite and setting my total at a 9.7 or a 9.5 or less. I'll be looking at an over a 10 or higher to the under. Honestly, a bullpen game I do think would be better than our good friend Mr. Bito. He comes from the country of Venezuela and has been pitching mostly between AA and AAA this season with only two starts at the AAA level. All but two of his starts at AA Binghamton for the Rumble Ponies and he's got a 4 ERA with the Rumble Ponies thus far this season, giving up 3.5 walks per 9 innings. Has a little bit of swing and miss stuff, but has always been a guy that has given up the home runs in the minor league level. I do think that he can be a commodity for the Mets down the line here in 2022. You don't want this guy getting starts in. For Kyle Gibson, it's been a little bit of a topsy-turvy season for him, but I do believe that he's backed up by a little bit more depth in terms of the bullpen. Edwin Diaz is certainly the best bullpen piece. He has been automatic all season long for the Mets, but getting in the ball could be a little bit of an adventure. Whenever Tommy Hunter's been out there, he's actually been relatively solid. He's been dealing with a few injuries, so you've had Seth Lugo ever since the All-Star break be able to provide a sub-2-5 ERA. Edamonovino has been solid. Yoli Rodriguez, though, has been a little bit all over the place, and both of these teams did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces yesterday, but Corey Knabel in the seventh inning has been rock solid. You've even had Connor Brogdon be able to come through with good innings along David Robertson, Brad Hans, or Anthony Dominguez. All these guys posting up ERAs that are currently sub-3 with Brogdon, more like a buck 63 ERA, and you do take a look at this Phillies lineup, and you've been able to have Kyle Schwarber really do a nice job with the deep ball. He has come back for this team, 34 home runs going into game two of the double dip, but only hitting a 210 now. Behind him, you've got a lot of guys that are able to set the table. Alec Bohm, Gene Segura, they're both hitting above at 280, JT Rimuto, Nick Cassianos. These are gentlemen hitting right around 265. And Reese Hoskins, 26 home runs. He can be a little bit inconsistent against lefties versus righties, as he does a better job of being able to lefties, but certainly has been a good year for him. Meanwhile, Pete Alonso, he, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, along with Mark Canna, 
These guys are only between about a 265 to a 275. Alonzo led the big leagues in home runs on the road last season. He's got north of 100 RBI and 30 home runs this season. Francisco Lindor has really been able to pick it up. Sterling Marte, he's up to 14 home runs. He's been on a little bit of a power surge. Jeff McNeil hitting above a 300 as well. So I do think that runs are going to be a plenty in this game. But I do think that Kyle Gibson, who has been better at home over the last few years, taking back to his time with Texas rather than on the road, is going to be able to do a little bit of a better job than our good friend Mr. Buto. 403 home ERA compared to a 470 ERA on the road now. He's given up a right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings at home, but his walks rate really does fall. He's been giving up about 2.1 walks per nine innings. Opponents are a 229 off of him. Strikeout numbers not so impressive. Right around seven-ish strikeouts per nine innings. More like 7.3, but with Kyle Gibson, I do think that he's going to be able to do a better job than our good friend Mr. Beto. If this is the pitching matchup, I'd be saying the Phillies at minus 138 in this spot. Probably give the Mets a 10 cent bump if they do wind up going with the bullpen game. And then once again, nine and a half or less looking over 10 or higher to the under. 905, 906 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They are going to be hitting the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs as Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs and Brandon Woodruff is going to be on the bump for the Brewers. This is a Wrigley Field game, so currently we've got no total that is currently up on the board, but I can tell you Looks like the wind is going to be blowing in, and it's going to be blowing in at right around 10 or so miles per hour. So, six half or less, I'll be looking over seven or higher to the under. But in terms of the money line, Brewers are anywhere between minus 138 and minus 145. Between plus 125 and plus 130 is your price on the Chicago Cubs. And with the Cubs, I needed at least a plus 154 to take a shot on them. Brandon Woodruff has been absolutely lights out since he wanted coming off the injured list. And prior to going on the injured list, it was looking like a little bit of a lost season for Mr. Woodruff, but he's been able to come through in spades for this team. Overall, this season has a 4.53 ERA, which is still a little bit far from terrific, but take a look at everything since June when he wanted coming back off the injured list, a sub-2.5 ERA over his last five starts. He's given up nine earned runs over the course of 30, and two-thirds innings has been able to do a very solid job of not allowing too many free passes as his box per nine rate is right around 2.71 home run per nine innings with the bonus thing at 2.27 off of him. Now, ERA on the road does wind up going up to a 4.40 it is a little bit north of two at home. And for Justin Seal, he has been able to do a better job when he has been at home rather than on the road himself. But the one fear that you've got with Justin Steele is that he has been giving out quite a few walks between his home and road starts. A little bit over four walks per nine innings. Now, at home, he's been giving up a 303 ERA compared to a 404 ERA on the road. And a big reason why is because he's been able to do an absolutely superb job of not allowing the deep ball this season as Thus far, he has allowed just seven home runs over the course of 107 and a third innings, and that winds up falling to three home runs in 65 innings when he has been at home, but he is allowing opponents to hit a little bit north of a 250 off of him, so you do have a little bit of a worry point there, and both of these teams, they have been a little bit up and down in terms of the bullpen, because yesterday, they did wind up having to go to extra innings as Devin Williams for just the second time in his last 39 appearances allowed an earned run. Matt Bush has been up and down with the Milwaukee Brewers since he wound up getting into town, and Hobie Miller, he has seen an ERA go north of five ever since the All-Star break, but Brian Boxberger has been relatively solid for the Milwaukee Brewers, and then for the Chicago Cubs, they're having to rely upon guys like Anderson Espinosa and company to wind up giving good innings. Now, Rowan Wick, ever since he came off the month of June, in which was just so bad for him, he's actually been rock solid, sub-2 ERA ever since the All-Star break. Brandon Hughes has been relatively solid, but they've been using up Stephen Brault, their long guy, a little bit more. Michael Rucker, overall for the season, he's got an ERA that is hovering right around a 4-4, and then 
with the Cubs. You do have a pair of guys that are really able to go deep for you. Patrick Wisdom, a little bit north of 20 home runs, so he's on pace for north of 200 strikeouts. And then Molson Contreras got home run number 20 yesterday. He's been able to provide a 355 on base ENF. He's right in that neighborhood with regards to his on base. Nico Horner has been able to 300 for the scene. BJ Higgins, Christopher Morrell, along with Nick Madrigal. They're only in between about a 255 to a 265. Meanwhile, for the Brewers, you don't have that one guy that's really a table setter for the scene. You really don't have anyone other than Mike Barrasso, who's been able to above a 260, but you do have a lot of guys that are sort of hitting in that fold of we're going to call it a 250 to a 240 as you got Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, Colton Wong, all in that fold hitting between, we're going to call it once again, a 240 to a 255-ish. Rowdy Tellez, Willie Adamas on Renfro. All have 22 plus home runs this season with Renfro being able to provide a home run every about 14 and a half or so at bat. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job, but some of the guys towards the bottom of the fold, like Victor Carantini, Jonathan Davis, Tyrone Taylor, they do need to provide you with a little bit more as well. So it is a little bit of a tough ordeal here, but I do think that Brandon Woodruff going to be able to come out. He's going to be able to give the better start in this spot because I do think that he's going to be able to lend a little bit more length, especially with yesterday's game going into extras. Both of these bullpens are going to be a little bit more gas. So I do place a little bit more premium on the fact that Woodruff has been able to do a solid job in terms of the command. And with the wind blowing in, six half or less, I'm going to be looking at the over seven or higher to the under. I think Steele and Woodruff both deliver, but set the Brewers minus 154 on the money line. We need to see run lines in the AM, but I would need at least a plus 115 to be able to take a shot on the Brewers laying a run and a half. I'll most likely stick with the Brewers money line just to be safe. And once again, most likely going to be on an under unless we get a very, very low total. 907, 908 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants. They are going to be in the red faceoff against the Colorado Rockies as Kyle Freeland is going to be on the bump for the Rockies and Jacob Junis is on the bump for the Giants. The Giants are between minus 130 and minus 135 favorites. Any between plus 115 and plus 126 is your price on Colorado. 11 is your total over is any between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is between even a minus 105. I did wind up saying my total at 11.3. I'm going to be taking a look at an over with the Giants. I was willing to lay up to a minus 141 and the big reason why is that for Kyle Freeland, he's been significantly better on the road rather than at home. Now, with Kyle Freeland throughout his career, he typically has been a relatively solid Coors Field pitcher, but that has not been the case here in 2022. Overall for the season at 482 ERA, but 6 ERA at home, 362 ERA on the road, and the big reason why the deep ball. He's went a pretty equal amount of innings home to road. He's given up 9 bombs in 66 innings at home, 6 home runs in 64 and 2 thirds innings on the road, and on the road, his opponent's batting average falls up by about 65 points. Meanwhile, for Jacob Junis, he's been relatively steady, Eddie. Home and road splits relatively equal. 350 home ERA, 358 ERA on the road. He has yet to face off against Colorado Rockies, so this is going to be his first time at elevation this season, and he has seen a little bit of regression over his last five starts. Hasn't really given up the deep ball at all. He's given up just one home run over the course of his last five starts, giving up one home run per nine innings overall of the season, but in his last five starts, opponents are in a 279 off of him, and this is a Colorado Rockies team that they lead the big leagues in terms of runs per game at home. That's a byproduct of the fact that they play at Coors Field. I mean, you take a look at some of these guys. C.J. Crone, who did wind up getting the day off yesterday. Out of his 23 home runs, 17 of them have wound up coming in on Brandon Rodgers. He's got 11 bombs. 10 of them have come in home for the Rockies. 1.2 home runs per game at home. 0.65 home runs per game on the road with a batting average that goes 40 points higher. When they are at home, you've got someone like a Randall Gritchick sitting at 265 this season. His batting average at home is approaching 300. His batting average on the road right around at 200. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, you've got Jack Peterson and Wilmer Flores. A combined 34 home runs going into yesterday. These two gentlemen 
Coupled with Therio Estrada, you're able to throw in their timing to sell all in between about a 250 and a 265. And it's really been a wonder that they've been in the top 10 in terms of runs per game score because you got guys like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Mikey Strzemski getting a 225 or lower for the same Lamonte Wade Jr. has not gotten it going now. Credit to Joey Bartu. Overall for the season, he's hitting a 225, but ever since the All-Star break, has been hitting in the neighborhood about a 300. And for the San Francisco Giants, it has been very much touch and go in terms of this bullpen this season, but they have been able to find their three guys that they're able to rely upon because guys like Tyler Rogers and company have not been able to get the t- job done. Since they picked up Thomas Zabucki, it's not been terrible, but Jarlin Garcia, John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall, these guys all have been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. Dominic Leon has looked a little bit better as well, and for the Colorado Rockies, you do have quite a few guys that actually pitch better at home rather than on the road. Someone like Luke Gilbreth, he's got a sub-3 home ERA. Meanwhile, on the road, this finds it going north of 5. A lot of the longer guys, like whenever he's been out there, Ty Block, who has been in and out of the fold, he's been able to do a better job at home rather than on the road, but Denelson Lamet, I do think that that is a big pickup for the Colorado Rockies bullpen, but I do think that you are going to see both of these starters wind up giving up some runs. I have a little bit more faith here in the Giants bullpen, which is why I did wind up saying them at a minus 141, so I'm going to be taking a look at the San Francisco Giants on the money line, semi-total at 11.3 as well. I do think that both of these teams are going to get runs aplenty, so looking at the 11 over to go along with the Giants. 909 910 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the LA Dodgers. And what is going to be the DK Nation pick? Ryan Pepiot is going to be going for the Dodgers. And Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Got a total here of 7.5. The under is any between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is any between minus 105 and minus 110. With the Dodgers, it's any between minus 165 and minus 175. Between plus 150 and plus 155 is your price on the Miami Marlins. Anything of a plus 150 or greater, I was willing to take a shot on the Miami Marlins. But the DK Nation pick, I set a total of a 6.4 here with the Miami Marlins going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday. They had scored three runs of fury in 18 out of the last 19 games. And we wound up taking the under about seven days ago in a San Diego Contra start against the San Diego Padres. That total was 6.5. Game lands 3-0. to zero. It has been a case which Sandy Alcantara time and time again has been able to deliver for this Miami Marlins team. He has won 7 plus innings in all but 2 of his last 16 starts giving up 3 runs or fewer in all but 3 of them. This guy has been absolutely lights out all season long and he is getting no flipping run support whatsoever which means that we are in for a low scoring game and with Mr. Pepe out he has not been a terrible pitcher himself. He has been able to do a good job will be able to get swings and misses, 10 punch outs per 9 innings. Now, the one fear that you've got with Ryan Pepiot is that he might knock himself out of this game very early. He has won 5 innings or fewer in every one of his starts as far as this season, and his last start against the Brewers, didn't mind giving up 3 runs over the course of 4 and 2 thirds innings, giving up 5 walks along the way. He's given up 3 plus walks in 4 out of his last 5 starts, but he's backed up by the best bullpen in the National League in terms of ERA. You've been able to get some really good innings out of Evan Phillips, along Caleb Ferguson, both of these guys posting up a sub-2 ERA Alex Vesia, David Price, they've got a sub-3 ERA. Now, Craig Kimbrell has not necessarily been so great, but you know what else is a big elixir as well? This Miami Marlins lineup, if you didn't hear before, they absolutely stink right now. You've got John Birdie, Joey Wendell, both hitting about a 262-265. Gary Cooper is back out of the fold. You had one guy in the starting lineup for the Miami Marlins yesterday with more than six home runs. That would be Asus Aguirre hitting a 235 going into the day, hitting for 15 home runs. Brett Anderson, Nick Fortes, these guys been able to about a 245 to a 250, but 
Luan Diaz, you're able to throw in there Jacob Stallings, Jair Encarnacion, JJ Blady. All these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. And for the LA Dodgers, they still have a couple guys in the fold that they need to pick it up. Cody Bollinger, Austin Barnes, Max Muncy. These guys are hitting a 215 or lower. You've been able to have Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner do a good job of being able to move the line. These two guys, along with Will Smith, all between 16 and 18 home runs. Freeman hitting a 320. Turner, he's been able to 305, 20 stolen bases. Mookie Betts, 27 bombs at the top of the fold. He's going to be able to do a solid job, but Sandy Alcantara is able to overcome all challengers thus far this season. I do think that Pepe out probably going to wind up not giving up a lot of runs, but I think that he knocks himself out early. I do think that at some point the Miami Marlins strike for just enough offense to be able to get to three runs here, and I think three might wind up being enough in this spot. And plus, even if three isn't, I don't think the Dodgers get past four. Seven and a half DK Nation pick is going to be on the under. I set my total at a 6.4. Miami has been grody in terms of their offense, so we're looking under with the DK Nation pick. Anything of a plus 150 or greater, also taking a shot on the Marlins. So look at Fish, DK and H to pick on the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the bank board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals in the red face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks as Merrill Kelly is going to be going for the Sinks and Jose Quintana is going to be on the bump for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a favorite of any between minus 133 and minus 145. Meanwhile, in between plus 122 and plus 128 is your price on Arizona. 7.5 is your total. Over is between minus 115 and minus 120 and the under. And is any between even a minus 105 and needed at least a plus 128 to take a shot here on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we've been able to get there. Merrill Kelly has been absolutely tremendous for this Arizona Diamondbacks team. And Arizona's been playing very pitcher-friendly. Arizona has been one of the best under ballparks in baseball of the season and a big reason why is because Merrill Kelly along with our good friend Zach Gallen have been shoving there and for Kelly he's actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road but still good numbers 306 home ERA 249 ERA on the road overall this season he has given up eight home runs over the course of 144 and a third innings swing and miss stuff has not been bad not been terrific right around 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings Jose Quintana not a guy that's going to get overly many swings and misses as well for the season he's been able to get right around 7.7 strikeouts per nine innings, but the big thing with Jose Quintana, when he has been away from Pittsburgh this season, ERA winds up going north of a 4, as a matter of fact, in true road starts, 4.93 ERA. Now, he's kept the ball in the yard in his road starts, giving up just three home runs over the course of 45 and two-thirds innings, but opponents made it 2.69 off of him. The walks per nine rate for Quintana is not bad, right around two and a half walks per nine innings, but if you take a look at the advanced numbers, the way that guys have been able to make just contact in general off of Jose Quintana, that is a little bit of an issue, and I do think that it could wind up catching up to him, because he has been a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy that has really been able to rein it in in terms of command. Last year, it's good about five walks per nine innings, but certainly interesting to take a look at there. Now, with the St. Louis Cardinals, they are also going to be backing up Jose Quintana with the better bullpen, as for the years in the Diamondbacks, you've got Joe Mantiply, and really, that's about it. No, you're mere as Mark Valance, and these guys have not been terrific. You've been dealing with injuries to two of your top guys and Kyle Nelson along with Sean Poppin. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's been a case where Genesis Cabrera is able to give you multiple innings. He's got a sub-3 ERA. Now they're going to be relying upon Jojo Romero and Chris Stratton for innings. These guys are a little bit more of a roll of the dice along Jordan and Nix, but Giovanni Gallegos has been terrific. Ryan Elsley being on the injured list is a big deal, by the way. He had a sub-1 ERA, so that is going to hurt the St. Louis Cardinals team moving forward. I did have to dock them a couple cents for that, but you do take a look at the Cardinals lineup as well. Going into Saturday, a combined 55 home runs between Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt hitting right around at 340. Arenado is hitting at 300. And then Albert Pools 
The Ageless Wonder over the last 30 days is hitting at 386 with a 449 on base with five home runs over the course of his last 44 at bats. I have no idea where this is coming from, but you know what? It's fun to see Paul DeYoung ever since he got recalled from the minor leagues. He's been able to do a solid job as well. And this is a Diamondbacks team that they do rank in the bottom six in terms of batting average. Now, you've been able to have a little bit of power out of Emmanuel Rivera in his first 14 games with the Arizona Diamondbacks. has been able to go deep four times. He's hitting overall for the season right around 250. And Joshua Ross, he does a good job moving the line, hitting at 285. Jake McCarthy's been able to hit 275. And Christian Walker for the season is only hitting a 221, but right around at 250 ever since the All-Star break. He's been able to still out 29 bombs, but he, Carson Kelly, been able to throw in their Geraldo Perdomo, Sergio Alcantara, Jordan Luplo. They're hitting at 225 or lower. That is a little bit of an issue, but it has been shaping up a little bit more for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're still without Quito Marte of the Marte Parte, but I do think that Merrill Kelly going to be able to deliver a good start. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Kitana, and there is issues with Kitana of him pitching on the road, plus 128 or higher, willing to take a shot here on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and when it comes to this total, I do think that both of these starters going to be able to do a relatively okay job, but I think that we went a little bit too low here. They went and segment total at a 7.7, so looking over and looking at the Diamondbacks. 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board, the Washington Nationals. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing up against the Slam Diego Padres. Oh, good. It's the turkey tosser himself, Patrick Corbin, on the bump for the Washington Nationals. And someone who hasn't been too great himself, Shamane, is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise, the Padres. They find themselves as sizable favorites. Anywhere between minus 265 and minus 275 between plus 230 and plus 240 is your price on the Nets. Eight and a half is your total. The over and the under are both at a minus 110. Very nearly wanted to make and this is a DK Nation pick because I like this total over. But it's just one of those cases in which with the San Diego Padres, they have been all over the place ever since they wanted getting their pieces at the trade deadline. You've got a trio of guys, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, and then you're able to throw in there Brandon Drury all with at least 20 home runs. I do think that they're going to be able to get to a guy in Patrick Corbin who he's allowed at least four runs at each out of his last six starts. It's just been completed and utter sadness for this gentleman. I mean, he's right now rocking an ERA that is right around a seven. It's been one of the worst seasons that you can possibly imagine. But with that said, Chamanea, who is he to be this big of a favorite either? He's got a 483 ERA. He has been all over the place, giving up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts. Problem is, he winds up getting a whole heck of a lot more support from his offense rather than the Washington Nationals, which they are currently dead last in the National League in terms of home runs per game. You just take a look at the Nationals lineup, and with Luke Voigt not getting the start yesterday, they wound up having one guy with more than nine home runs, and that'd be Lane Thomas with 11. So you've got your issues there. You do have a few guys who are able to move the line, as Thomas, who I mentioned earlier, Cesar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, Kibeto Wees. These guys are in between about a 234 to a 250, but you have a lot of dead bats out there, so it should be to the benefit of Sean Manea. Meanwhile, you do take a look at the San Diego Padres lineup, and you've got guys that are able to get on base for you, although when it comes to the San Diego Padres, you do have a lineup in which it's been very inconsistent for them as Juan Soto, Jerickson Profar, Awesome Kim, Austin Supernola, they're all in between about a 243 to a 255, so these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job with that regard, but for the Padres, the only two teams that are averaging fewer runs per game at home That'd be the Washington Nationals and the Pittsburgh Pirates because it is quite pitcher-friendly, and all of a sudden, you've got a Haterade problem. Josh Hader has been terrible for the Padres. His last 15 appearances, he's got an ERA that is north of 14, and that is not a typo that I wanted giving you. He has been that bad. You do have Nibel Christmas, who's able to give you some 
relatively solid innings. He's got a sub-3 ERA. You've had Robert Suarez be able to do a solid job. And then for the Washington Nationals, guys like Kyle Finnegan, Steve Cishek and company, they have not been great. But, I mean, the turkey tosser himself, Patrick Corbin, he's giving up north of three walks per nine innings, nearly two home runs per nine innings. I cannot trust him in this spot. I would much rather bank on Sean Manea being able to lead a multiple run win in which you're going to have a whole bunch of scoring. Right now, the Padres run line is saying between minus 125 to a minus 135. I was willing to lay up to a minus 160. I personally set the Padres at a minus 325 favorite, so... Manea, I guess, in this case, is someone that warrants being this big of a favor because I'm personally going to be taking the Padres run line. I want absolutely no part of the turkey tosser himself in Patrick Corbin. I'm looking at the over, and I'm looking at the run line of the Padres. I'm 15-9-16 on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox, and the White Sox are on the road facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. As Aaron Savali is going to be going for the Guardians, and Dylan Cease and Assist is going to be going for the White Sox. White Sox are anywhere between minus 122 and minus 130 favorites. Between plus 110 and plus 115 is your price on Cleveland. 7.5 is the total. The over is any between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is any between minus 105 and minus 110. I set Dylan Cease as a minus 158 favorite. I Maybe I'm just a schmuck here, but Dylan Cease has been the lone good thing about the Chicago White Sox. While his manager winds up falling asleep and issues two strike intentional walks with two outs. He's been able to do an amazing job of just being able to tune out all the noise. And for Dylan Cease, he has actually been significantly better at home rather than on the road. Also keep in mind that this is a Peacock game. It starts at 9.05 a.m. Pacific time, 12.05 p.m. Eastern. But I mean, for Dylan Cease, you take a look at these road numbers. A buck 34 ERA with a 7-2 record in his 11 starts, giving up three bombs and 60 and a third innings when he's been on the road. And he's been able to do a pretty solid job when he's been against Cleveland. Three starts this season, a 2-1 Two ERA, giving up four runs and one homer over the course of 17 innings. Now, if you do have one issue with Dylan Cease, it is a f- his walks numbers are a little bit high. He's given up right around three and a half walks per nine innings, so that is a little bit of an issue. He's given up at least two walks in each out of his last three starts, but I mean, he's been able to get the Chicago White Sox to the window recently, and when it comes to Aaron Savali, his fielding independent was not matching up with his ERA towards the beginning part of the season. It's starting to rain in a little bit more as he's been able to deliver some really good starts. He's given up a combined four runs over the course of his last four starts. Now, two of those did wind up coming in more like mid-July because he did wind up spending a little bit of time on the injured list, so a little bit of caution there, but Savali has been able to pick it up a little bit more at home. He's been better than he has been on the road, 726 road ERA compared to a 409 home ERA, not necessarily giving up too much of the deep ball, 1.2 home runs per nine innings, and really, these are two of the bottom five teams in terms of home runs on a per-game basis that you're going to find in baseball with White Sox. You don't have anyone with north of 14 home runs, as you've got Luis Robert, along with Jose Abreu, throwing their Andrew Vaughn. They're all providing between about 12 and 14 home runs, all these guys, and at least a 290, along with Eloy Menes, who's been able to 300, so they've been able to do a solid job. Gavin Sheets, AJ Pollock, they need to do a little bit more as guys like Lurie Garcia, Yasmani Grandal, Yoel Moncada at the bottom of the fold. They're in a 215 or lower. All these guys have banged up, and for the Guardians, they're averaging right around .65 home runs per game at home, and it's not necessarily been too great. Your one masher is Jose Ramirez, 23 home runs. He's approaching 100 RBI. As he, Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario, all hitting at least at 275. So these are all guys that are able to move the line. They just don't necessarily have a lot of power. With the Guardians, they do wind up backing up their starter with a little bit of a better bullpen as well. As you've seen James Karinczak do a great job in the eighth inning. Emmanuel Class A, he's been lights out in the ninth inning as well. He's given up like two earned runs over the course of his last 
30 appearances. And then you've got Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin providing a sub-3 ERA. But Jimmy Lambert, along with Rinaldo Lopez, sub-3-5 ERAs after they were failed starters. They've been sought out there in the bullpen. Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, they do a solid job in this spot as well now. With the White Sox, you do want to keep note that they always do a better job against left-handed pitching rather than right-handed pitching in terms of their offense. This is going to be a right-hander, and because you did wind up seeing a rain delay in the game yesterday as well, you're going to have some sleepy bats out there, so I do think that that bodes even better for Mr. Savali along with Cease, but I think that Dylan Cease is going to be able to go out there. He's going to deliver a gem. He's going to be able to lead the White Sox to victory in spite of his sleeping manager. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 150-ish with the White Sox, so I'm looking at the White Sox in the spot. Semi total is 7.2, so looking under as well. 917918 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing mostly Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Nestor Cortez is on the bump for the Yankees. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, the over is minus 115. And the under is minus 105. And with the New York Yankees, they are anywhere between minus 113 and minus 120 favorites between even money and plus 110. Your price on the Blue Jays at with the Jays, I needed at least a plus 120 to be able to get a shot on them. Now, maybe I am a schmuck for trusting in the New York Yankees because here in the month of August, I believe that there's something like 4-14, four and 14, which is the second worst record in the big leagues, but I think that they're going to be able to get to someone in Alec Manoa that he himself has not necessarily been in the world's greatest recent form. Now, for Manoa, overall this season, a 271 ERA, giving up less than home run per nine innings, giving up right around 2.1, 2.2 walks per nine innings, and he's actually got a lower road ERA rather than a home ERA, 264 ERA on the road, 279 ERA at home, but he had a couple rough starts against the Baltimore Orioles. The team wound up losing both of those. He's given up three plus runs and now three out of his last four starts, really his last great start. Wanda coming on the road against the Boston Red Sox. He has been quite good against teams, not named the Orioles within the division, but it is a little bit of an issue, and he has given up four plus walks in two out of his last three starts. His strikeout numbers are down from last season, and Nestor Cortez has been able to do a significantly better job in New York rather than on the road. 315 road area, 228 home area with four home runs and 59 and a third innings given up at home. 65 and two-thirds innings on the road. He's given up 11 bombs, and he's been able to keep the walks down, giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. Opponents are at 203 off of him. He has still been able to do a good job with his deception, and you gotta feel like at some point the Yankees who have scored three runs or fewer, and now nine out of their last ten games. There's no way this could continue. Now, maybe I just sh- sound like a schmuck, and, well, I am a schmuck, but with that said, you've got Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo, who's got a combined 74 home runs thus far this season. Judge has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line with Rizzo along Josh Johnson. They need to be a little bit more consistent with getting on base. These two gentlemen hitting right around at 222-225, but Jose Trevino, Isaiah Canerfalefa, hitting between about a 265 to 70 DJ turned it up on Mayu. He seems like he's a little bit banged up, but he's got a 375 on base. I really do feel like Matt Carpenter being out of the fold has affected this team quite a bit, but he still have a pretty impressive offense with this New York Yankees team. And with the Yankees, they're currently without one of their main bullpen pieces in Clay Holmes, but they still have some relatively good pitching. Wandy Peralta has been able to do the job for this team. Ron Medanacchio has come in the last few days. He's been able to do a solid job. Peralta's Chapman has been a little bit all over the place, but since his stint on the injured list, he's come back and he's looked a little bit better. Meanwhile, when it comes to the Blue Jays, I would argue that they perhaps maybe have a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen ever since he's come aboard. Zach Pop along with David Phillips, Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber all providing a 3-1 ERA or better. Jordan Romano has been actually 
very good as a closer. 240 ERA with 26 saves as far this season, and we all know that this is a Blue Jays lineup that they're able to mash as well as Flagger Jr. has five bombs over the last two weeks. You wound up having Matt Chapman go yard over the last 45 days. He's been hitting north of a 280, so that's a welcome sign for the team. L.A. under Kirk, he's been hitting above 300 since his stint on the injured list a little bit earlier in the season. Chaos Hernandez has been hitting a 300 now. Guys like Danny Jansen, Jackie Bradley Jr., not necessarily too terrific, but I mean, really, aside from your bottom one or two hitters on any given day, this is a Blue Jays team that they're a threat all over the place, so I do think that this total is a little bit too low. I think that the Yankees bust out. I think that the Blue Jays get theirs, so I might tell at 7.8 looking at the 7.5 over personally, and with the Yankees, I think that they wind up salvaging a little bit of the series. I think that Nestor is going to be able to get them out of their funk, one lay up to a minus 122 with regards to Cortez, so looking Yankees and looking at the over. 9.19, on the bank board, it is the Tampa Bay Rays. They play us the Kansas City Royals. Is that Granky is going to be going for the Royals, and good all to be determined is going to be on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays, so this game is off the board. With regards to the Rays, it's just a question mark as to whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is going to be the starter or if he is just going to be a bulk guy in this game. And if Ryan Yarbrough is the starter, I did wind up making the Yankees a minus 164 favorite. And I did wind up saying my total to wear an 8 or less. I will be taking a look at an over an 8.5 or higher to the under. And the reason why I've got so much faith in Ryan Yarbrough in this spot is because... When it comes to Zach Greinke, take a look at his home and road splits, and that is exactly why. With Zach Greinke overall for the season, it's something that it doesn't look too great, it doesn't look too terrible. A 4-8 record, a 4-13 ERA, clearly a pitch of contact guy who's been getting right around 5.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, but you take a look at him at home. Buck 98 ERA, giving up one home run in 51 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 12 bombs in 50 innings with a 648 ERA on the road with opponents hitting 74 points higher off of him. I mean, that is just absolute sadness. And for Ryan Yarbrough, I do think that it is very critical as to whether or not he is going to be a starter or coming out of the bullpen. Because if he comes out of the bullpen, I'm willing to give about a 10 or so some bump to the Tampa Bay Rays in the spot because you take a look at what Ryan Yarbrough has done throughout his career, and when he has been coming out of the bullpen, he's got an ERA that is a full point lower. His record winds up going way upward. That's just a product of what winds up happening because when you're a starter, you need to go at least five innings in order to be able to get a win. Meanwhile, you can still take a loss if you only wind up going like a third of an inning or something like that, but 3.76 ERA as a reliever, 4.82 ERA when he is a starter, which I think is just so critical. Despite the fact that his strikeout to walk rate when he's a starter is actually better than when he comes out of the bullpen, but when he comes out of the bullpen, he does a good job of being able to limit the hard contact. And then when it comes to this Tampa Bay Rays team, they were able to do a solid job of getting to the Royals yesterday. Royals are currently dead last in the American League in terms of their bullpen. ERA, Amir Garrett has been able to pick it up a little bit, but Josh Jamout, since he wanted coming off the injury list, this guy's been ghastly awful. Taylor Clark was really starting to come on for this team. He has now landed on the injured list. Jose Cuas has seen some regression. Scott Barlow has been posting up a sub-3 ERA, but been a little bit of sadness there. And for the Kansas City Royals, they all of a sudden are starting to get a little bit more power as MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, Bobby Wood Jr., all these guys have been able to provide at least 14 home runs this far this season. Most of the power has come recently. Vinny Pasquantino, ever since the All-Star break, he's hitting above a 300. You've been able to have Mr. Michael Massey be able to about a 300 for the team as well. So overall, the offense has been solid. You could use a little bit more on it, something like a Nick Prado, but Royals are starting to improve offensively, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, David Peralta, Randy Rosarena, these guys are able to be good table setters and right around 250. G-Man Joy has just seen his numbers fall completely off the table, but 
got Yandy Diaz, who's a nice concept for the team with a 385 on base. And the Rays offense all of a sudden has a little bit more life because Harold Ramirez is back. He's hitting at 330 for the team. He's got a home run since coming off the end of the list. Francisco Mejia is getting more at bats. Doesn't get any walks whatsoever, but he's hitting at 270, and that's big because you got guys like Yu Chang, Jose Siri, Taylor Walls, Roman Quinn, Isaac Paredes, all hitting at 220 or lower. When Vidal Brujan was up at the big league level, that was a little bit of a disaster, but this is a raised bullpen that they back up Yarbrough relatively well. Typically, it's been Jalen Beeks, who's been a little bit of an opener for this team. He has been used up quite a bit in the last few days, so you could wind up being someone like a Ryan Thompson, who I believe that Ryan Thompson has made a few starts throughout his career. He's made at least one. I think that that wanted coming last season, so he's a little bit of a candidate to be an opener. Colin Pooch, Brooks Raley, you've got to figure that they're going to be on call in this game as well. Both of these guys, a sub-3-1 ERA. Jason Adam, he's been able to provide a sub-2 ERA as well. Sharon Armstrong, a little bit of a longer guy that has been touch and go. He's got right around a 5-ish ERA, but he's been raining in a little bit more recently as well, so if it is Yarborough getting the start in the spot for the race, setting them right around a minus-164, probably closer to a minus-170 if he winds up having an opener come in from, and eight or less looking at an over eight and a half prior to the under. As we go 921-922 on the betting board, it is the LA Angels hitting the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Tigres, and Shohei Otani is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are favorites of between minus 170 and minus 175. Meanwhile, between plus 150 and plus 158, your price on Detroit, seven to six and a half is your total. On the six and a half, the over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. On the seven, the under is minus 120 and the over is even. When it comes to Shoei Otani, I do mind saying him as a minus 168 favorite on the money line. So that pretty much makes it to where the money line has gotten up a little bit too lofty to lay it. But uh, you certainly don't want to take just a plus 160-ish when it comes to Detroit. So you look at the run line, you're finding it at even money right now with the Angels. And I'm willing to take even money when it comes to the LA Angels. I was really willing to lay up to a minus 104. I just couldn't wind up laying minus 105 or greater. And when it comes to this Angels bunch, it has been an offense that has been relatively rough, but the good news is Mike Trout back in the fold for the team, so that is going to be able to provide a big boost prior to him going on the injured list north of 20 home runs. Has always been able to provide north of a 350 on base, so that lends support to the Lone Ranger and Shoy Otani, who's been able to slug out right around 27 home runs, hitting north of a 260. And I mean, Luis Ranifo behind him, he's been able to do a solid job as well. He's been able to about a 270 for the season, but you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Taylor Ward, Jared Walsh, both of these guys have been pretty deplorable recently. Both of these guys, ever since I would say the beginning of the month of June, have been hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200 for Walsh. It's been a little bit worse. Ward is starting to pick it up a little bit more. These two guys have been combined between 30 and 31 home runs overall for the season, but when you've got guys like Kurt Suzuki, Matt Sassy, Andrew Velasquez, George Bond on the fold, that's been rough. David Fletcher, whenever he's been getting at best, ever since he wanted getting banged up and he's been out for much of the season, he's actually been able to do a relatively okay job. And then let's look no further than the Detroit Tigers for poopy offenses. <laughs> right now you've got Cody Clemens, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu, all these guys. In a 215 or lower, Spencer Torkelson was so bad that he got sent down to the AAA level. Javi Baez, right now he leads the team with 11 home runs and he's hitting a 223. Been able to get a little bit of production out of Harold Castro hitting a 280, but 
man, it has not been a good year for this Detroit offense, to say the least. And for Eduardo Rodriguez, it's going to be his first start in a very, very long time. Stepped away for personal issues. I think that he was dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. And taking a look at what he's been able to do in his minor league rehab appearances as he's been making right around three or four of them ever since he did wind up returning to the team. And he's actually looked relatively solid, giving up one run or fewer in all of them. His length seems to be relatively okay. I don't think that we're going to see a normal workload for Eduardo Rodriguez, but I do think that he could wind up going five, maybe six solid innings. And when it comes to this Detroit Tigers team, bullpen is very solid. Now, they did wind up having Willie Peralta get sent down, so they're not going to have him in the bullpen anymore, but these guys like Andrew Chafin, Alex Lang, list goes on and on, Joey Jimenez, Jose C. Cerno, they've been able to do a rock-solid job, and the one roll of the dice that you do have with the LA Angels, because Shoei Otani has been absolutely amazing for the team, is the fact that you've got Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapero have been really underachieving this season, both of these guys have north of a four ERA, it's really been guys like Jose Cuijada, Long, Jimmy Harrigan, who have been your guys out there in the bullpen that have been able to do a solid job, but you do take a look at Shoei Otani, and he has been an incredible strikeout machine this season, as he's getting over over 12 strikeouts per nine innings, along right around one home run per nine innings. If you take that just one really bad start that you wind up having against the Atlanta Braves out of the fold, he's pretty much given up two runs or fewer in pretty much each out of his last eight starts if you wind up throwing out that one in which, just truth be told, Phil Nevin just left him out too long in that game, but Choi Otani, he's got an ERA right around at 308 on the road, and now he's going to be going up against a Detroit Tigers team, which it's been pretty deplorable. I do think that run's going to be at a relative premium in this spot. I did wind up saying my total at a 6.7, so taking a look at the sevens, I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and when it comes to the Angels, even money or better, I'd be willing to take a look at the run line in the spot, just because I don't know if the Detroit Tigers are going to be able to get to two runs, looking under and looking at the Angels on the run line. 923-924 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins, and they're going to be playing us the Walker Texas Rangers as Koji Ihara is going to be going for the Rangers, and Joe Ryan is on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. The Twins are finding themselves as a favorite. Anywhere team minus 168 and minus 178. Meanwhile, with the Rangers, it's anywhere team plus 150 and plus 163. Total on this game is 8.5, and the juice is all over the place. The over is anywhere between even money and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120, and when it comes to the Rangers, I did wind up saying them as a pretty sizable underdog. I needed at least a plus 196 to be able to take a shot in. That begs the question, where is the run line of the Minnesota Twins? And right now, with it being a plus 115, I'd be willing to take a shot there. Was willing to lay up to a minus 105 with them. When it comes to Joe Ryan, he has had a couple of rough starts on the road, but... By and large, when he's been in Minneapolis, he's been able to do a solid job this season, posting up overall a 3.92 ERA, but that ERA falls to a 2.96 when he's at home. Compared to on the road, it is a 5.05. He's given up to six home runs in 54 and two-thirds innings at home. It's a relative pitcher-friendly ballpark in which opponents are just a buck 94 off of him. Now, with the Texas Rangers, you do have quite a bit of firepower when it comes to this lineup as Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, Adelise Garcia, they've all been able to give you between 15 and 19 home runs, and then you've got Corey Seager going deep 20 six times with Seager along with Garcia. Both of these guys are in between about a 250 to 255 and then Ezekiel Duran. He's been able to move the line along Charlie Coverson. Both of these guys hanging right around at 245 to 255. You've been able to have Nate Lowe be able to bet a 290 as well. So by and large, the Texas Rangers have been able to do a solid job on offensive for the Minnesota Twins. You've really got one main matcher in Byron Buxton. The 225 batting average leaves a little bit of something to be desired, but he's been able to go deep thus far 28 times this season. That's that Ori Palanco, one of your main guys in terms of home 
home run power with right around 15 home runs. Jose Miranda is a double-digit amount of homers, but for Miranda, over the last 45 days, he's been hitting well above 320. He's been able to find it. Nick Gordon, Gilberto Cicino, Carlos Correa, these are all guys hitting between about a 265 to a 275. You've been able to get some good production at the top from Luis Arias as well. 400 on base, and with the Minnesota Twins, there's a clear divide between the trustworthy bullpen pieces and the not-so-trustworthy bullpen pieces. Ore Lopez, Michael Fulmer, they both have been terrific out of the bullpen since being acquired at the trade deadline. Yohan Duran, he leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100-plus miles per hour for a reliever. He's got a sub-2-5 ERA. Trevor McGill has a sub-3 ERA, and then you know, I end up getting into someone like an Emilio Pagan with a 5 ERA, Caleb Theobar north of 4 ERA, not as he's too terrific, and for the Rangers, they wound up having a really good bullpen up until I would say about the month of July, then you did wind up seeing the injury to Joe Barlow, and ever since then, things have went down the toilet bowl. They're now without Garrett Richards, and he was posting up a north of 10 ERA over the last 45 days before he was lost. Josh Saboris, he has been posting up north of a 5 ERA. Brock Burke, Matt Moore, these guys have been terrific, but past that, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys they are going to be able to hold down the fort for the team, and then you do take a look at Koji Ihara. He was able to do a relatively solid job at the minor league level, got sent up to the big leagues, and in his first big league start, it did not wind up necessarily going as planned. Five and two-thirds innings, he does wind up giving up three runs, which it doesn't sound terrible, but keep in mind, that was at home against the Oakland A's, a team in which is pretty deplorable on offense. He wound up giving up eight hits in that start as well. He's very much a pitch of contact guy. He wanted getting six strikeouts in that start. I don't expect that to necessarily be the norm with him, so I do think that Joe Ryan and company should be able to get it done for the Twins. I'm willing to take the run line in this spot, and I do think that the Rangers are going to be able to piecemeal a few runs together. They've got a lot of firepower themselves. Semi-total at 9.3, so looking over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Twins on the run line. 9.25, 9.26 on the betting board. It is the Seattle Mariners in the red face-off against the Oakland A's as J.P. Sears is going to be going for the A's, and Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle is a favorite between minus 195 and minus 210. Meanwhile, they're between plus 175 and plus 190 is your price on Oakland. This is a total of 6.5. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders any between minus 105 and plus 105. We went down just a little bit too low. Keep in mind that this is going to be a day game in Oakland, and that means that the marine layer is not going to be out. It's going to be a little bit more of a hitter-friendly condition in this one, so I did wind up saying my total at a 6.6. I mean, even at a 7, I'd be willing to go under, but 6.5, we have went down a little bit too far because in a 4-3 game with the 7, you get the protection of a push there, but in terms of J.P. Sears, he has been able to do an incredible job, actually, ever since he was acquired from the New York Yankees, and you take a look at his time, Overall, this season between the Yankees, along with his time with the Oakland A's, he's got a buck 95 ERA, giving up one home run in 32 and a third innings, which many of these innings being pitched out there at Yankee Stadium, his walks per nine rate, it has been a sub 2-3, so he's been able to do a really good job. I actually really like J.P. Sears. Meanwhile, you've got Luis Castillo on the other side, who has been absolutely terrific for both the Reds and the Seattle Mariners, and now he winds up going to a ballpark in which it's as pitcher-friendly as it gets, and his three starts with the Seattle Mariners. He has given up in 20 and two-thirds innings, just five earned runs, so he has been able to do an amazing job on that front. He has been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the deep ball down as well as he's given up right around .75 home runs per nine innings this year, getting nine and a half punch outs per nine innings for the Seattle Mariners, and Eugenio Suarez already has a pair of home runs in this series. He's been able to do a great job, and then you've got Julio Rodriguez. He winds up getting a triple yesterday. He's been solid since coming off the injured list. 19 home runs, 265 batting average overall for the season. You do have a couple guys towards the bottom of the fold that you need to be 
worry of like Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro, Cal Raleigh. These guys are in a 225 or lower, but Raleigh has been able to give you double-digit amount of homers. Mitch Haniger being back after he had 39 home runs last season. That's big. And the big albatross that you've got with this Oakland A's team. You don't have a single guy that's gotten more than 25 at-bats this season hitting a 250 or greater. You do have Chad Pender, Sean Murphy, both hitting between about a 240 and 250. And for Murphy, along with Seth Brown, they both have been able to give you between 16 and 17 home runs. The power has been able to be helped out a little bit, but Brown, along with Vettiel, Machine, along with Jonah Bride, you're able to go down the list of guys in between about a 220 to 230, and then you've got guys like the young gentleman that wanted getting called up in Cal Stevenson, hitting much below that. But for the Oakland A's, you've got Domingo Acevedo, AJ Puck, Sam Mall, along with Zach Jackson, all providing a sub 3 3 ERA now with the Seattle Manners ever since the beginning of the month of June. This has really been the best bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues, Diego Castillo, after a just cataclysmically bad start to the season. Ian Andres Munoz over the last 60 days have a sub 2 5 ERA. Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, they've all able to provide a 2 5 ERA or better, Matthew Fest has been relatively solid as well, and I do think that the Seattle Mariners should be a relatively sizable favorite. I think we've just went a little bit too far in this spot, though. I did wind up making it to where I needed at least a plus 172 to take a shot on the ace. Being able to get north of a plus 180, I'm going to be willing to ride with J.P. Sears in this spot, and what I think is going to be a relatively low-scoring game, but once again, I just think that this number of 6.5 is down a little bit too low. So my total is 6.6, so I had a 6.5. I'm willing to go over, and I'm willing to take the plus price with Oakland. Now we go to the Little League World Series game. 927-928 on the banking board. The Baltimore Orioles, they're going to be playing in Williamsport against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox, and Dean Kramer is going to be on the bump for Baltimore. A relative pick'em game here. Boston's anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115 favorite. Meanwhile, Baltimore, pretty much anywhere between a plus 105 to a minus 105 is your price on them. Nine is the total. The over and the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And taking a look at the ballpark dimensions in this one, we've seen a lot of games wind up landing right around like five to three, things of that nature in these Little League World Series games. We did wind up seeing a little bit of a lower scoring game last season, but that's just because because the LA Angels, they just could not wind up putting up any runs on the board against what was then the Cleveland Indians. So I do think that things are going to be a little bit more lively, but I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2. Center field is out at right around 410-ish feet, so it's a little bit more pitcher-friendly than most ballparks that we do wind up seeing. And I do think that both of these pitchers are going to really want to put on for the kids here. It's a little bit of a motivational spot for both of them. Kramer has been very solid. The Baltimore Orioles were 3-15 and in his first 18 career starts. Ever since then, they went 7-4 and four in his last 11. Kramer has been able to do a solid job on the road. A 372 ERA, giving up four home runs in 38 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, for Nick Pavetta, he's done his best work away from Fenway over the last two seasons. His ERA drops by about a point when he's away from Fenway since the beginning of the 2021 season. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit too much, right around 1.2, 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is starting to rise a little bit north of three as well. Meanwhile, Kramer, he's been giving up more around two walks per nine innings but when it comes to Baltimore, I do think that they are the team that should be favored because they're just in a little bit of better recent form right now. As Anthony Santander has been incredible with the bat. He's got 21 home runs as Santander, Cedric Mullins, Ryan McKennell, and Ali Rushman. You're able to throw in there. Austin the say his kid, Ramon Urias, Ryan Mountcastle, laying at least a 250 for this team. Ode Mateo over the last 45 days. He's been hitting above a 300. He leads the American League in terms of stolen bases. Mullins not too far behind with 25, so they do a good job of playing small ball and for the Orioles top six bullpen in terms of ERA 
Felix Batista, Joey Crebiel, along with Keegan Aiken. You're able to throw in there CNL Perez and Dylan Tate. All these guys providing a sub-3-2 ERA. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox ever since the All-Star break, they're in the bottom three in terms of bullpen ERA. Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, Shursich Familia, all these guys are posting up north of a 5 ERA. Fortunately, they don't have out there in the full Darwinson Hernandez with his, like, 20 ERA. Matt Stram has come off the injured list. That's all for them. Garrett Woodlock, he's very capable of being able to give this team multiple innings as well. And when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, you do have a lineup that you've got guys that do a very solid job of being able to move the line like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogart's pair of guys in north of a 295 for Rafi Devers. He's been able to supply north of 20 home runs this season. Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, both of these guys are in between about a 280 to a 290. And Eric Osmer, he's been a little bit up and down since coming over to San Diego, but not as bad as the struggles of J.D. Martinez. Martinez, he has been hitting below a buck 75 over the last 50 days. Don't look at that 275 batting average for the season. He currently stinks. Meanwhile, Bobby Dahlbeck, Kike Hernandez, Jaron Duran, Kevin Pilecki, all these guys are at 225 or lower, and I mentioned Woodlock. He got used for 25 pitches yesterday. He is by far their best bullpen piece. He is not going to be available for this game. That is advantage Orioles, in my opinion. I do think the Pavetta is going to be able to come out, give a relatively solid start, but I think that Kramer is as well, and I do think that that bullpen of the Orioles get to take hold, set the Orioles as a result right around a minus 115 favorite. I'm looking Orioles. Set my total at 8.2, looking under as well. We wrap things up with 929, 930 on the bang bar. The Houston Astros hit the road face off against the Atlanta Braves as Charlie Martin is going to be going for the Bravos and Jose Arikidi is on the bump for the Astros. The Astros are finding themselves as underdogs between plus 125 and plus 132. Meanwhile, with the Braves, it's anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. It is your total. The juice is all over the place. Over and the under, anywhere between even money and minus 120. I was willing to lay up to a minus 137 on the money line with the Braves. If you take a look at the run line, you're only getting right around a plus 140. I was willing to go up to a minus 155 with the run line of the Astros. So this is right now a little bit of wait and see mode. With it right now being right around a minus 145 in a lot of spots with the Braves, that'll set the Astros right around a plus 135. And we can inch form up to right around a plus 136, plus 137. That'll be a play for me on the Houston Astros. Now, Charlie Morton, he did wind up having a bad start to the year, which he wound up giving up three plus runs and eight out of 11 starts. Then he was able to find it a little bit more. Now it's been a little bit more consistent with Charlie Morton. The big thing that you do fear with him is the walks. He's been giving up a little bit over 3.2 walks per nine innings, but by and large, has been able to come up, give some relatively good starts, but it's just been bad start, good start, bad start, good start as he's given up approximately zero runs in three out of his last five starts. The other two, he's given up five runs, so that is a big issue. Strikeout numbers are there. He's been able to get right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. Jose Arikidi, a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy. He's been getting a little bit under seven strikeouts per nine innings, and Arikidi has been struggling a little bit more on the road for 41 road ERA compared to a 287 home ERA, but you do take a look at Urtikidi as well, and he's been able to do a better job on the road. You take a look at him ever since the All-Star break, and he's now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last six road starts after he wound up getting off to a really bad start away from Houston. That is an X-factor, and what else is an X-factor? The Astros have the number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. As Seth Martinez, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek, all these guys have been able to give you a sub-three ERA. Ryan Presley has been tremendous out of the bullpen. Now they are dealing with Jordan Alvarez, 
feeling a little bit lightheaded a few days ago, so that does wind up dipping the Astros a little bit. That's something that you want to take a look at because he was not in the starting lineup yesterday, but Christian Vasquez, he's hitting a 290 big trade deadline acquisition for this team. Trey Boo Boo Mancini, he's already got three home runs since he was acquired by the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve, he has been able to do a nice job along with Kyle Tucker of being able to give the team 20-plus home runs. Tucker, along with Mancini, Alex Bregman, throw on their LMNDCS, lying between about a 255 to a 265 Altuve. He's hitting a 280, and then for the Atlanta Braves, you had Austin Riley in a little bit of a funk. He went deep on Friday. That was just a second home run in the last 20 games, but he, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris, the second, despite the fact that the home run power for Riley is down. All these guys move line, hitting above a 285, and then you've had the young gun in Vaughn Grisham come up. He's hitting well above a 300 since he's been sent up to the big league level. Ronald Cunha Jr., 370 on base. And for the Braves, they still have a solid bullpen of their own. They pick up Rossio Iglesias at the trade deadline. You've had A.J. Minter be able to provide a sub-3 ERA all season long. Jackson Stevens in a little bit of a longer role has been solid. But this is a spot in which if we could just get a few more pennies with the Houston Astros, I'll be taking a look there. So I do think that when it's all said and done, most likely going to be taking a look at the Astros as I need a minus 137 or lower to take a shot at the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to be taking a look at this overnight. When it's all said and done, I'm sort of anticipating this being a play on the Astros, but I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to put up some runs. Morton has been shaky of late. Jose Urquidy has had some road struggles as well, so some might tell it at 8.8 looking over and Depends on the overnight line movement right now, anticipating being on the Astros, but subject to a little bit of change there, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Big thanks to Peter Apple. Does a great job over there at Just Baseball. You joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast via the five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm going to be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.